Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Moving to Matthew chapter 7. Um, I want to talk to us of something real quick today. I, I really do want to get us um, out of here before we get snowed in here. It was one of those weird forecasts where they were like, it could be an inch, it could be eight inches. And you're just like, I wish I could get away doing a job where I could be that vague. Like, it could just be fun to play in or it could devastate your entire week. Who knows? Um, Anyway, I want to talk to us for the next few weeks on the topic of shame. And this sermon series is going to be called Shameless. And, and full disclosure, I've, I've stolen a bunch of this from my dad. All right? Some of you are like, wait a minute. We've seen some of this before. Well, I live with the guy. And um, we talk a lot. And I was like, I'm just going to steal a bunch of this because this is just too rich and good. And um, he gave me permission, so it's not plagiarism. It's my inheritance, yeah. Uh, he did buy a very expensive Bible the other day. I won't talk about how expensive. Um, he walked in. He goes, hey, I got you something. And he held it up to me, and I knew exactly what it was. It was I was like, man, you know, as, as someone who loves books and history and just scholarly things, I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. And he turned it and showed it to me. It said David Killingsworth right on it. And I realized, mm, you got me something for after you die. I get it. Okay. So um, every time he buys a book, he said, hey, I got you something that I can have later. Um, it's my inheritance. So this is part of my inheritance today. Let's read Matthew chapter 7. We were just there, but we're going to skip down a few verses. This is Jesus teaching at the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 7 and in verse 13, this is what he says. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, say wide, and the way is easy, say easy, that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Let's skip over to verse 21. It says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do my, many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I'm looking through there and it says, Lord, Lord, it says in my version, did we not? So didn't we? Didn't we do all these good things in your name? Say, didn't we? That's what I would call today's sermon because that's what my dad called his. Um, didn't we? Say, didn't we? Didn't we do lots of great things for you, Lord? Didn't we? I want to talk about shameless. I want to talk about a culture of shame because... I think in America today, it's especially true that we have a culture 
of shame that's been growing for a while. Um, you could argue that for a while we, we were in a guilt-innocence culture. And guilt, guilt's, a, um, guilt's a funny thing because, you know, if you're guilty, you're guilty, right? Because that's something you did. Yeah, I did that. I'm guilty. How many have ever been guilty of doing something you shouldn't? You did it. You have to own it. You're guilty or you're innocent. And most of the time, that's pretty easy to prove. Guilt and innocence is a lot have to do with the things that you've done. But there's this whole other thing that's been growing in our culture, especially of late, that has to do with shame and honor. And the difference being that is with shame, it's not so much about what you do, but shame is attacking who you are. Right? Shame attacks who you are as a person, and some of us, we deal with some pretty heavy shame sometimes. Sometimes the things that we've done in the past, we let it bleed into who we are. And we're going to deal with some of that over the next few weeks. We see this predominantly in our culture with what we call cancel culture, right? When someone goes against the status quo, they go against the crowd, they go against what we think they should do, and society tries to cancel them because they should be ashamed of who they are. Like, it's not just that you did something wrong, it's that we, you should be so ashamed of who you are that you should no longer exist, and so we cancel them. And the problem with that is if we really get down to the nitty-gritty, every single one of us should be canceled. Every single one of us should be ashamed. I I don't know a a person in this room today that if we were to come up here on this projector and put all the things you've ever done up here on the screen that you would stay in the room. Even those of us who believe in the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, if we started playing up here on this screen everything you've done, you'd say, I think it's time for me to go Taco Bell for a while and just not be here. Why? Because of the shame. Because we're afraid of what people are going to say about who we are. Man, I really thought we knew them. And, and I would include myself in that. The scripture tells us that someday everything that's been done in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. That's scary. That's scary. The thing with shame is it has to do so much with comparison. How many of you have ever tried to compare yourself to someone before? Yeah, all of us slowly nodding. For everyone at home, everyone's slowly, slowly nodding. Like, yeah, and you are too, right? Um, man, my dad, I, I think it's funny because this morning as I was leaving the house, my dad apologized to me for something that he did 28 years ago. I did the math. Um, 28 years ago he was ashamed about it um and just so you guys know it had to do with um a pop tart and something i had done when i was a fourth grader i'd messed with the toaster messed up and and 
he tried to fix it, burned his hands, and he just, he just went off on me. And he was ashamed for it, right? And it wasn't just that it was something that he did. It was like, this, is, this was who I was, right? And now I carry that shame with me. And what happened is I was leaving the house today. He, he, I saw him pulling a Pop-Tart up out of the, he goes, hey, can I, can I say something? I'm sorry. I'm sorry I yelled at you. You remember, and he brought up the incident. I was like, yeah, I remember that day. I do. And for 28 years, he said, for 28 years, every time I've made a Pop-Tart, I've thought about that day where I freaked out on you about that Pop-Tart. And he's carried shame with him about that moment. I was like, Dad, you can make your Pop-Tarts in peace. I do not hold that against you, right? I, it's because, yeah, that's something you did, but guess what? That's not who you are, right? I know who you are. And I said, hopefully from now on when you make a Pop-Tart, you'll think about this instance, right? Where you can just make a Pop-Tart in peace, right? Isn't that what we all just want? Is to be able to make our Pop-Tarts in peace, right? That freedom and forgiveness. The thing about shame is, shame is about comparison. It's like, I'm better than you. And, and a lot of it's like, I would never do that. You should be ashamed of yourself because I would never do that. You do that? Ugh. I mean, or it's the other way around. It's like, I always do this. Oh, you don't do this? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And it's this whole me, you kind of thing going on, right? It's comparison. And can I tell you, in, in the coming weeks, we're going to deal a lot with that kind of shame. But this morning, I want to make us keenly aware of a problem that we all have something that we all should be concerned about, some shame that maybe we all should have. And it's a comparison that we can never live up to because here's the reality. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be compared against each other. It's not, did Drew do better than Robert? Did Robert do better than Jamie? And we all know those, those, those wretched people out in the world that we're all doing better than, right? That's what, that's what the world thinks about church people, that we're all sitting in this room thinking we're better than the rest of the world. Beloved, we're not going to be compared with anyone else besides God himself. And guess what? Every single one of us missed the mark. That, did you know that's what the word sin actually means? The word sin actually means to miss the mark, we think it means all this heinous, crazy stuff. That's why sin can actually be what we consider a good thing. It's just because it's something where we miss the mark. That's what I was trying to tell Zach on Wednesday night when he was faking having issues. These folks decided to throw a surprise party for me, which thank you guys so much. You're awesome. I love you. And Jamie told Zach... Um, hey, you need to get him to talk to you for a while about an issue in your life or something. Just let him counsel you. And the guy went for the joke. Like, he just came up with the weirdest, biggest thing he could come up with. Yeah, he didn't. He went, he went all in. And he gets an acting award. But if he gets an acting award, I should get a pastoring award because I did not lose my cool. I was like, man, let's go. Let's, let's, let's get after this. Jesus loves you. We're going to handle this. And uh, it was good. But we talked, about, we talked about how sin is missing the mark, right? It's failure. It's God has, this is the bullseye, and you miss it. 
you miss it every time. Even when you're doing good, you're missing the mark. Because the comparison isn't you versus someone in the world or you versus another person in the church. The comparison is you and Jesus. And Jesus is perfect. The scripture tells us that what? All have sinned. So when you compare yourself to someone else, all you're doing is comparing your poop to their poop. And guess what? It's still just still just stinks it all just stinks the lord wants us to be aware the lord wants us to be aware that our sin before him is an issue and we should say that we can probably never even come to god unless we are aware of our sin and our shame you cannot come to God being proud of your shame, being proud of your sin. There has to be a moment where you humbly come before Him. And I know some of us who have kids, that's something we work with with our kids, right? Is, is they may apologize, but they're not really apologizing. Anybody? Right? They may be saying the right words, but the posture of their heart is not one of humility. And unfortunately for us, sometimes we come before God and we're saying sorry, but the posture of our heart is not one of, God, I'm, I'm humbled for who you are compared to who I am. I realize that I need you. Some of us, it's almost this, this pride of, God, you're so lucky that you get me. You're, God, you're so lucky to have me. And I know this because it's something that I've walked through before in a season of my life. God, I, I know the kingdom of God is going to grow because I'm awesome. And the Lord's like, hmm. And the Lord has a way of knocking us off our high horse, hopefully. Hopefully. The best thing that could ever happen to you in that situation is for you to get knocked down and humbled and broken. Because that means the God of the universe, He's running after you. He's chasing you. The psalmist said it like this in Psalm 44. He says, My dishonor is continually before me, and the shame of my face has covered me. There has to be this moment where we cry out to God and we realize our condition. We realize that in and of ourselves, there is nothing good. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the beginning of the message of the gospel, is to realize your own condition. And this morning, if you say, Pastor Drew, I, I, I know this, but can I tell you this morning, whether you know it or, or, or whether you're learning it, there's so many people out in the world that we need to be bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to. They're unaware of their own condition, and they're never going to see it. And it rarely is us saying, you need to really realize how bad you are. Most people already know that down in the depths of their heart. It's not by highlighting the darkness in their life, although sometimes it takes that. It's like we talked about last week. Instead of like, you need to realize how bad you are, it's let me tell you about how good my God is. When you go and study the book of Acts and look at it over and over again, I, I went and studied one time all the places in the book of Acts where the gospel is preached. And every time the gospel is preached, the people that are listening to it have an awareness of the majesty and glory of God. They have an awareness of how good and great God is. 
And I believe in my heart that that's the beginning point. If you realize the distance between you and God, then you truly begin to be humbled by who you are compared to who He is. And as we look at that in Psalm 71, the psalmist cries out, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. And I... I don't think this is one of those churchy, oh Lord, let me never be put to shame. I can hear the psalmist laying in his bed at night crying out to God, oh Lord, let me never be put to shame. Because there's a moment that you have as a believer or or even as an unbeliever, you realize that there's such a distance that you need God and you understand that this thing, this, this condition that you have, this shame that you carry, if not dealt with, will carry into eternity. It will carry into the moment after you die. And, and some of us, man, some of us think we're going to live forever. Can I tell you, we, we don't. Over Thanksgiving break, I sat with my grandfather, who, who has right now a diagnosis which isn't the best. And a prognosis that's, and everyone's like, well, it's just part of 2020. No, it's my grandfather. And can I tell you, as I sat there in that living room and listened to him talk, I listened to him talk. Because you realize all of this is temporary. All of this is temporary. And eternity is where the real reality lies. Some of us, we get so freaked out about the things around us, about all the little stuff that's going on. None of it matters in the light of eternity. Eternity is real. And eternity is something that all of us need to, to think about. And, and the thing is, it's not after we die. Eternity starts today. Eternity starts right now. Daniel twelve two. it says this, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And this is where we come to the text that we have today is didn't we? Say didn't we? And I I, I think it's this comparison thing again. This thing in Matthew 7 where Jesus, he's talking about people are standing before the throne of God And they're saying, well, didn't we do all these things for you, Lord? That word in there, it's a plural word, we. Like, look at us, God. We're comparing ourselves to ourselves. Didn't we do really great stuff as if our good stuff can ever save us or ever bring us any kind of life? I don't think we really should ever make it about we because guess what we've done? We have all sinned. We have all fallen short and we know that it's by grace alone and faith alone through Christ alone. It's not, it's not didn't we. You know what it is? It's didn't he. It's not about what I did. It's about what Jesus did. It's not that I prophesied and that I cast out demons or that I served in the nursery you should serve in the nursery or that you should that i came and and help work on the children's church or lay the flooring or or i did 
Lord, I, I helped feed the hungry or, or I gave to that thing that Pastor Drew told us to give to. Like, none of that matters. It's didn't Jesus. And so when we stand before the throne of God and they play the movie of our life that all the evangelists tell us about, right? Yeah, all that happened. I did all that, good and bad. That's all me. But it doesn't matter. Because it's not about didn't we. It's about didn't he. Didn't Jesus go to the cross? And when he was on that cross, take on a shame. Uh, worship team, can you come on up? I'm going to make good on my promise. I want to make good on my promise. I just want everyone to know there's about 10 different rabbit trails I wanted to go down. And I reined them in. And I said, nope, I'm going to stick to it. I want to read to us a, a few verses here and if you'll just lean into this maybe you've heard this 101 times ladies and gentlemen there's people in our community who need Jesus there's people in Bearville and Green Forest and Harrison and this whole surrounding area they need the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and you know what's crazy is for years for years, we've battled this whole thing of the difference between being a religious person and someone being an actual follower of Christ. And the world has this conception of these religious people who are just about doing all the good things, right? So we can earn our way to heaven and they don't want any part of it. And you know what? Rightly so, because it won't save you anyway. There comes a moment where we become such a people of communicating the love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ that it shines through all of that to show who Jesus actually is. And that's my heart. And that's something like, like I can't stop talking about. And I don't know what it is, but lately when I'm around unbelievers, like it comes up every time. Like, that's my heart and that's my prayer for this church. Is that every time we find ourselves around someone who doesn't know Christ, who hasn't trusted Him, that we would talk about the goodness and greatness of our God. Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Like, like we are set free from shame only through Jesus Christ. So yeah, that's all the stuff you've done, but guess what? It's not who you are. And some of you, I know you've been saved for years and that stuff keeps getting drugged. All the stuff you did keeps getting drugged back up into your present all the time. And on a bad night, it comes up and you, you, you stress out about it. You fight about it. And can I tell you this morning, 
who the Son sets free is free indeed. It is not who you are. And one of the the travesties of being a a traditionally Pentecostal church is this whole notion of we get so caught up in, man, I think I've backslid. And and this is one of those theological debates we have with with other people of eternal, like once saved, always saved, or can you backslide or whatever. And one of the travesties is is that the enemy uses it to, to beat up our hearts and say, you're not even saved. And the Lord in His mercy and His grace is trying to remind you that it was never about you. It was always about Him. And your sin is nailed to the cross. He who knew no sin, He actually became your sin. Some days we get that and some days we don't. So that God can pour His wrath out on our shame. And so that's why the scripture tells us if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. There's nothing to be ashamed about because it's a new you. It's not even who you are anymore. You're a brand new person. This is the goodness of God. And so when cancel culture rears its ugly head, say you should be ashamed of yourself. We should cancel you. Romans chapter 10, you guys know this. It says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him, what? Will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will you stand with me? Matthew chapter 10. Let me just read you two more verses. It says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I also will confess before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. It's this whole idea of, listen, if you're ashamed of me, I'm ashamed of you. If, If you talk about me, I'll talk about you. But if you're ashamed of me, I'm ashamed of you. So who are you talking to about Jesus? And maybe that's a good check on our heart. Like, man, where am I? Where am I? Have I really surrendered to Christ? Am I really a follower of Christ or do I really think it's about me? Because I would hate, hate, hate to step into heaven's door and realize that there were people in this room that had never truly surrendered their hearts to Christ. Romans chapter 12, and this is so good because it's so long lines of where we've been living. It says this, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. 
for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. Do you realize the enemy is real and he wants you to be ashamed of who you are? He's the accuser of the brethren. Like he spends his days trying to shame you. He spends his days trying to shame you. And then it says this. And they overcame him. How? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Like it was what Jesus did on the cross. And it's my testimony of what? Of what? Of what Jesus did on the cross. Right? It's me proclaiming what he did. It's never been about me. My testimony is that Jesus took away the shame. Can you close your eyes just for a moment? And whatever it is in your heart that the enemy keeps accusing you about, he keeps bringing to you and saying you should be ashamed. This morning, I would say this, put it under the blood of Jesus. Trust in the redemptive work of Christ. He paid for that so that you can walk in freedom this morning. So you can walk boldly before the throne of grace. Why? Because Jesus did a work. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.